Hello. Today, I'm so happy to introduce you uh, to you my new friend, Jed Jadrinko, who recently was came from California. Well, three years ago now. How many years you've been in Minnesota now? Been in Minnesota now three years. We're getting ready to go wow. into our fourth winter, and I'm oh. a little bit nervous about it. <laughs> I don't blame you. Oh my gosh, um, you're you're going to become even sturdier. Uh, folk, as they say. And you might talk funny in about five more years. But I love my relatives there in Iowa. And they are wonderful folk. And I'm glad maybe you can tell us the story of how you got there. But first of all, tell us a little bit about your family, and then your ministry. And I'm curious to know about I Thrive 320. So end with that. And then we'll get into the legacy questions. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And Sue, thank you for having me on the podcast. Sure. So a little bit about me. I'm the husband to an amazing wife, daddy to four incredible girls, and foster dad to one more. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So a lot of girls in the home. I am seriously outnumbered, and even our cat's a girl. I was going to ask you, do you have any pets that are girls? Yes. Just your cat. Um, okay. And my daughter did just get a guinea pig. Guinea pig's a boy, so there are now two of two. us. We're starting to even the odds a little bit. Oh dear, I wouldn't expect a lot from the guinea pig, Jed. Don't want to disappoint you there. Uh, we used to have a boy dog, so that helped out my husband since we have three daughters. But now Holly Girl is our girl dog. So tell me, how long have you been married? So we are going on eight years. And um, exciting for us because we will have um, more years of marriage than kiddos at home, which is, wow. oh, yeah. So but Jenny is absolutely amazing. Wonderful. Um, Far as work goes, I spent the first 10 years of my career as a children's pastor, wow. second 10 years as a marriage and family therapist, and I've been diving into coaching. Started as a writing coach, but now doing a lot of life coaching. Um, sometimes it's relationships, personal growth. Of course, with COVID, there's that rise in stress. Yes. Um, so sometimes it's simply stress management, mindfulness, work-life balance, really helping people uh, thrive at home, which is part of my legacy and part of my mission. And we can dive into that later, but of course it all ties in. Sure, it does. So, um, so you started as a pastor, children's pastor, right? And then a therapist. So do you have a counseling degree as well? I do. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Wow. And love helping people see how psychology and the Bible tie together. Hmm. And just a passion of mine, something I'm excited about. Um, of course, psychology is all about testing things, doing experiments, um, you know, applying that scientific method and then being like, oh, well, this works. And I remember going to seminary for, you know, back to seminary, the same one I graduated from and sitting in that first counseling and psychology class and just blown away and thought, wow, this is exactly what the Bible teaches. Wow. I know we're going just a little bit off topic, but did you know no, no. psychology is in the Bible? I would hope so. Yeah. Very first psychology experiment. Can I tell you where it is? Please do. In my mind, it's right there in Genesis 2. So God looks at Adam and could have just said, hey, Adam, you need a wife. Would have been easy, right? Yeah. Here's the cool thing. Here's the way I read it. It's God looked at Adam and said, man, that relationship is so important. I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to let you figure it out yourself. So God brings every pair of animals before Adam, has Adam name them. But then at the end, my version goes like this. And it's just a little twist. I can picture God standing there next to Adam saying, hey, Adam, do you notice anything about those animals? <laughs> Adam thinks, and he's like, oh, yeah, there were two of them. 
God says, yeah, there are two of them. What else? I was like, well, there was a male and a female. And God says, yeah. And what about you? And Adam stops and thinks and says, yeah, there's a male. And then Adam looks and says, hey, God, wait a minute. What's <laughs> going on here? You know, and I know it doesn't go exactly like that, but God did create the experiment. And that's the exact order it went in. He brought the animals to Adam. No suitable helper was found. And then that's when God says, okay, Adam, I'm going to create Eve for you. And that's when woman was created. You know, God could have just created Adam and Eve from the very beginning, hmm. but he didn't. And in my mind, I'm like, well, why not? And I think it's because relationships are so important. Mm -hmm. God said, Adam, I want you to get this from the very, very beginning. And I want you to see it and experience it, that you need that connection. Mm, that is beautiful. I thought you were going to say, and then God said, I don't really like the names that you chose. And I'm going to give you a wife to give you better names. But that's not where you were going. No. <laughs> yes, we definitely need our spouses. That is so terrific. Have, how else have you seen how counseling is, your knowledge of the Bible, how does that help you in your therapy and helping others, either in coaching or in therapy? Yeah, so there is so much in the Bible about our mindset, our thoughts. And it's interesting because as we were going through some of the different counseling theories, you know, there's a great one called cognitive behavioral ther um, therapy. And it's all about how our thoughts affect our feelings and our actions and everything really flows from it. True. When I heard that, I thought, oh yeah, that's Philippians 4.8, where God talks about and we're commanded to think about things that are true and honest and pure and lovely. And then in Romans, where it talks about um, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Mm. And so I know as a um, therapist, as a psychology professor, one of my frustrations is that sometimes um, Christians will look at psychology and say, oh no, we don't want to use that because it's secular. And there are a lot of secular humanists who were founding fathers in psychology. And Freud, to be honest, did have some ideas that were just downright weird at times. Mm -hmm. um, you won't see those being practiced today. We've come a long way since Freud. But what I found out is, man, people, secular humanistic psychologists are grabbing key principles from the Bible, teaching people how to apply them to their life step by step by step. Mm -hmm. And surprise, surprise, these people are getting healthier, happier, their depression goes away, their anxiety reduces. The only problem is God's not getting the credit. Right. And so when I saw that, that really drew out this passion of, wait a minute, we don't need to be pushing back against this really, I want to be somebody who is helping lead the way and saying, look, God said it first. And so let's use these principles and let's help people grow. Mm -hmm. I like to say all truth is God's truth. And not everybody mm -hmm. gets it when I say it. But as you know, what I mean, if it's true, whether or not someone else said it, God put the truth in their brain to be able to say it. Uh, that is so great. And I'm sure it's encouraging, especially to anybody who's been in therapy. I don't think you have well, my personal opinion is you don't have to go to a Christian therapist to get truth. But I always feel better if my kids are going to therapists that they go to a Christian one. But, you know, I can't control these things. And God does. And he brings the right people into our kids' lives. Now, you as a dad of five now, one is a foster, um, I bet you've thought a, a at least a little bit about legacy. And I don't mean your, the inheritance they will receive. But um, 
what kind of legacy do you want to be sure that those that you love will receive from you? Yeah, and so you're absolutely right. It's interesting. I am getting more and more gray in my goatee, and the more that gets in there, the more I am thinking about this legacy. Because I told you before the show, you know, when my 13-year-old was born, people would look at me and say, Jed, enjoy the time now because they grow up fast. And I would do this kind of internal eye roll, smiling on the outside to be polite, but thinking on the inside, yeah, yeah, that's what older adults are supposed to say to us new parents. Right. Now when I see a, a new parent holding their you know, toddler, their infant child, I actually catch myself saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I know they're rolling their eyes up, but I get it now. Like, I can't believe I'm a dad of a 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. I remember waiting for her to walk, to crawl, to smile, thinking it would never come. Now I'm looking and I'm like, I can't believe the time passes this quick. So to answer that question, you know, the legacy that I really want to leave, I've summed it up in three words. It is faith, family, and fun. And in my mind, those things all just kind of bleed together. We put them in one word, faith, family, fun. Yeah. And so how do you go about doing that in your daily life? What are some intentional things? As a coach, you probably live more intentionally than the rest of us because you have to tell other people to do that. Uh, And I think like when I teach a Bible study, God is teaching me first. It has to go through me first to someone else. So how do you intentionally go about, what are you doing like right now, like the last month to make sure that faith, family, and fun is your legacy? Yeah, I love that question. And just some specific strategies that are working really well for us. And I'm going to give credit to Jenny, my amazing wife for this. That's a good point. That's a good psychological point, actually, to give your wife credit. (laughs) Credit where credit's due. Go ahead. Absolutely. A lot of credit due here. One day she said, Jed, I don't like that we're all disconnected and rushing out the door in the morning. Mm -hmm. So she came up with this morning routine and 6.30, everybody goes upstairs. We play this song by Chris Rice, I'm Smelling Coffee. We're both huge (laughs) coffee drinkers. So we're like, yes, this is just kind of a fun song. Yeah. You know, girls get breakfast. We say a quick prayer, and then we just all go around the table sharing three things we're thankful for. In the morning. In the morning. But what if they're not morning kids? Yeah, everybody's <laughs> got to be up. Everybody's got to do it. And there are days wow. where one of our things to be thankful for, especially Jenny and I, is good, strong coffee. Because sometimes you need that in the morning to get the, get the brain going. But for us, it really was about this legacy of, One, we want our kids to be grateful. And two, we want them to know there's always, always, always something to be thankful for. That trick is to find it. So even in the midst of COVID and never want to discount the pain, struggles, challenges our family and other families are facing, but also say, hey, in the midst of that, there's still things to thank God for. Even if it's something simple, like I've got a good strong cup of coffee right now, the sun's shining. Or in Minnesota, the snow's falling and it looks really pretty. And we're in the house while it is 70 degrees and nice. Oh my gosh. That is so great to teach you that. Uh, do you ever get any grumblers in the morning? Like, well, dad, I just can't think of anything. I just got up. You know, everybody's been pretty consistent and good. We've had, we just have really good girls. Now our three-year-old is always a wild card. Yes. <laughs> 
most mornings it is not three things. It's there's no stopping her until she gets five or six. And then there's yeah. a big amen at the end. How cute. So sweet. Yeah. Every now and then there's just the pause and there's the stuck at one or you know, there's times when she's not feeling it. And that's okay. But this yeah. really is about, again, faith, family, fun, all rolled into one. Right. And part of that is, hey, if somebody really is having a bad day, this isn't a, we've got to hammer this out of you. It is a, we're going to make this fun. We're going to move on and we're going to try it again tomorrow. Does that kind of make sense? Yes. And also, um, they may not always like it like a little later after she's 13, like all the girls are 13. <laughs> I mean, all in the teens, but they will do it later for their own children. I just can guarantee you that. And then also they will bring their friends in. You might want to start doing it at dinner time because their friends will come and visit. And then yours, you will be the fun house where they will want to bring their friends. I had a friend of five daughters and I went to visit her when I only had one daughter and she had a ping pong table set up in their living room. And I, I was kind of shocked and taken aback because we had ping pong tables growing up in the patio. And so I just tried to be polite and not too shocked. And I said, Diane, why do you have a ping pong table? in the living room. And she said, because I want my kids to bring their friends to our house. So I know where they are. Beautiful daughters. And so they're going to attract gentlemen uh, later on. Be careful of that. And uh, to have a pool table or something that would attract everybody to hang out at your house is such a legacy. So I think you are doing a great job. Is there anything else on that or ideas that I could share with my listeners? Yeah, well, I love that ping pong table idea. And, you know, great minds think alike. And Jenny said the exact same thing to me on multiple, multiple occasions where she said, Jed, I want to be the house that all the kids come to because I love watching them in the backyard. And so I have a feeling she's of that same mindset of the time goes by quick. Mm -hmm. You know, so our backyard is kind of the messier backyard. It's got the ninja lion, the playset, you know, the above ground swimming pool. But it really is our goal to make this a place where our girls are comfortable bringing their friends, mm -hmm. where they want to bring their friends, mm -hmm. and where we can continue to instill those values of faith, family, fun into them. So that's why that fun piece was so important. Do you have, um, I know, I think some families can, can focus on one of those three uh, too, not too much, but only do that one. You know what I'm saying? So I love the combination. I think it's great to raise our kids in the faith, but if it was never fun, then they wouldn't have good memories. Or if we only had fun and we sacrificed our faith, uh, that wouldn't be good. Or if everybody's in a different sport on a different day, and so we never see each other, then we kind of lose out on the family aspect. So what are some challenges or obstacles that you've had to overcome to make not to, in, not to make sure, because I know we fail at our goals every day, but to ensure that we are living intentionally towards that. Or have you had to uh, change a pattern? I know you had to get up earlier now for that one, but anything else? Yeah, and I love that you mentioned the sports story, because as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, busted. I was like, <laughs> how'd you know? Um, because that was our pattern where we, back in San Diego, had our, two of our girls enrolled in competitive soccer. And wow. what I didn't know about competitive soccer in San Diego and quickly found out is it is very much like hockey in Minnesota. It is a mm. year round, nonstop, go wow. from one thing to the next. 
And I remember one morning when, well, I would say it finally kind of came to a halt or we knew the pattern had to change one morning when Jenny got up early and she saw our daughter who was four at the time, get up out of bed, shuffle down the hallway with her little feet, peer around and look at the clock, see that it was four in the morning. Now Jenny was up because we just had a baby. So she was up doing what moms do early in the morning. Yeah. And then our little four-year-old turned around, shuffled back to bed, laid back down. And about 10 minutes later, did the same thing. And she said, Jet, this went on and on and on. Wow. And it really was kind of an anxiety thing of, sure. I'm so Stress. scheduled. Yeah. I've got to be there on time. And that was when it hit us and our aha moment of, hey, sports are good. But when our four-year-old's waking up at four in the morning and can't fall back to sleep is she wants to be there on time so badly. Wow. Probably an indication that we're overdoing things. Mm -hmm. And so we had a conversation with the kids of, we want to find that balance again. That was a good conversation because when we Mm -hmm. talked to them, they said things like, we miss those impromptu family dance parties. Wow. And why don't we ever cook together anymore? Mm Mm-hmm which was an easy question to answer. And it was like, oh, well, that's easy. We're never home for dinner together anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. And all of a sudden, all of us agreed, hey, we want more time. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, COVID brought up a second round of this conversation because once it hit, Jenny and I again sat down and said, we like this slower pace. Mm -hmm. We don't want to stay this slow for forever. Right. But we like extra family time together, and Mm -hmm. really that time to connect. I'm sure you're not the only family who has discovered this. I listened to a podcast this week about stories we'll tell our grandchildren about 2020. And so many people mentioned, we're going to tell our grandchildren that we actually enjoyed having our kids home, which meant their parents. Times like I had my 30-year-old and my 24-year-old home for four months. I would have never had them back for that long. They only come home for holidays or when they want food. But the fact that they were home for four months was such a gift to me, even though there are lots of negative things too about the shutdown. So uh, I think God is using it for believers as well to help us do these self-evaluations. So what would you suggest to a family that perhaps is still in that stressful scheduled time, even though we're in COVID, we can still over schedule ourselves. Uh, what kind of counsel could you give them that would help them write maybe just one or two tips that could help them right now? Yeah, absolutely. And the first one is if you are listening and you are 30 or younger, you are probably going to roll your eyes at me, but I'm going to say, enjoy the time now. Mm-hmm. This, it goes by quick. And I know it sounds cliche mm-hmm. and I didn't get it until just a couple years ago where all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wow, I've only got five more years until my oldest is technically an adult. And what happens after that? I don't know. You know, you pray, it could, you pray more, you pray more. That's what you do. You pray more, probably <laughs> yes. pray a whole lot more. <laughs> But just realizing she very well may be out of the house and in college and adulting and having less of her around. And there may be family trips that she doesn't go on. That never hit before. Mm -hmm. And kind of the last year to two years has been the aha moment of, man, we've got to make every one of these count because I don't know how much more of these we have. 
and they're getting older. So I don't know how much more of some of these they're going to enjoy before we have to switch it up a little bit. So I would say enjoy every second to the fullest because it doesn't come back again. And if people are feeling too pressured by schedules, how could you, what tip could you give them for that? Yeah, I think for us, it is really test driving the slower life and trying it out. Because I know when you're in speed mode, because we were there, it feels the, like the right thing to do. And as a parent, I hear things like ice skating, youth group, sports, um, before school and after school, orchestra and band practice and concerts and everything sounds good. And it's hard to say no. Mm-hmm. And so we started teaching our kids that sometimes a no is a yes to something else. Mm-hmm. And we're saying no to good things in order to say yes to the very best things. And that really resonated with our kids, resonated with us too. And it's something I, as a dad, I have to constantly remind myself of, like, hey, I'm not saying no to that good thing over there, to that sporting event, to that trip, to that outing. I'm saying yes to, we're just going to be together for a little bit. Mm. We're going to have more family time. We're going to get a good night's sleep. Good night's sleep. Yeah. I think sleep is overall what we all need. I remember a counseling friend in Wycliffe said to me once that we all need the sanctified no, where we Mm. see it as a sacred no. Uh, And I love the way that you say it's a yes to something that's even better for us. I wouldn't say it's better for everybody. I hate to put my best on somebody else's life. And I know that's not what you're saying. So, but I think it's good for all of us to take stock and to reevaluate. And there's nothing like a pandemic on the shutdown to, to help us do that, don't you think? Yeah, what a great reset button, right? Right, a reset button. That's so good. I could tell you're a coach. You are great. Now, if people, oh, tell me uh, the name of your, um, I don't know if it's called a company or what, iThrive320. Where did you get that? Yeah, so our blog is iThrive320.com, and we do coaching, books, e-courses. But the whole idea is, first of all, the iThrive piece which is all about what we can do. Um, Key idea that we have is taking 100% responsibility for the controllables. So what are the things I can do to thrive? And that's really where we place our focus. 320 piece comes from Ephesians 320, which is one of my all-time favorite scriptures. Talks about God being able to do more than we can think or imagine. Mm -hmm. And that's that second piece. And I really see what we do is bringing those two pieces together. The I Thrive piece is, man, here's everything that I can do and everything that I can control. And once I've done that, I'm going to hand the rest over to God, knowing that he's able to do more than we can possibly think or imagine. When you bring those two pieces together, man, is it powerful. Yes, I love that. I just uh, spoke on mentoring and I said one of the, on this Saturday, um, one of the roles of a mentor, and this is what you're doing because you mentor through your coaching and your writing and your speaking uh, is to help a person delineate between that which they have control over and that which they don't and may need to get some help for, uh, which is a little different uh, curve of what you were just saying. But the fact that we do thrive when we're carrying our own pack, as it says in Galatians 2, 6, mm. and, or 6, 2, 6, 5, and, and yet we need each other to help us carry our burdens in Galatians 6 too. And so, but we don't always know what that is. And so if someone would want to 
contact you for some help or maybe a do you have like a first time coaching pass free where they get to know you free and then you they hire you later or how do you do it? Yeah, so thank you so much for asking that. So if you go sure. to ithrive320.com mm -hmm. and there's a coaching tab on the top and there's a button direct link to my calendar where you can schedule that 45 minute free discovery call. And it really is all about getting to know you, one, right. getting to know some of the challenges and then two, getting some quick wins under your belt Love and then that. seeing if coaching is a good fit. Does coaching mm -hmm. is not for everybody. Um, some people, there are some pretty big problems and it's time to go to a mental health professional, a therapist. Mm -hmm. um, other issues are very much coaching issues. So it's to find out who the best person is going to be for you. And even in the coaching, because I've got a big network of coaching friends. And honestly, if one of them better suits your needs, I want to get you connected to that person. Mm, um, it that. really is all about... I'm helping you find that next step to move from where you are to where you want to go. Terrific. Um, my first time I called a coach, I said, so what's the difference between a coach and a therapist? And she laughed and she said, well, therapist helps someone who's still in their pain and a coach helps you move on from that. So um, I think whoever gets to talk to you would get both because you have therapy background. So I think that's pretty great. But it's, it shows, um, I think, your integrity that you'd be willing to pass them on to somebody else. Sometimes when people ask me for help, I go, you know, I really am not the person to help you, but let me get you connected with someone who can. And of course, the great healer is Jesus Christ himself. And I can see that that would be your main goal, would be to connect someone to the Lord Jesus and um, and also for the knee prep. I love the fact that you would give them some quick wins because I know that if I can lose one pound in two weeks, I would feel a lot better than just waiting six weeks. So if you can get a quick, quick win on something. So, and uh, the 320, uh, Ephesians 320, look that up, folks. I'll put it in the show notes because it says that God uh, will give us things that we can't even imagine, that he will work uh, abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So thank you, Jed. You have been such a blessing today. And are there any last words? Yeah, Sue, thank you so much for having me on the show. It was a whole lot of fun. And I know I've said it often, but if I was going to leave you with something, even if it makes you roll your eyes again, I'm going to go do it right now with my kids. And that is enjoy the time because it really does go by fast. You are so right. Thanks so much, Jed. God bless.